Crypto CFO's podcast, we have Jason Myers, the lead architect of Audit Chain. And um, I'd like to start right off by just having Jason introduce himself and just a little bit about how you've come into the crypto world and how you found yourself into the space. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, Taylor. Um, I can tell you that it wasn't what I had planned for my life. Right. And there are a lot of people who share the same outlook. I was an investment banker for 25 years and I took a lot of companies public. Um, uh, two years ago, almost two years ago, uh, we had our biggest exit. Alexion Pharmaceuticals was bought by AstraZeneca. Uh, I was the lead underwriter. Um, and there, you know, there are dozens. But um, I started my own firm in 2009 during the financial crisis with the theory that we're able to get people for cheap and assets cheap that you weren't able to get at all a year prior so um i managed facebook's stock plan equity compensation plan before they went public it was the largest private wealth opportunity in history and um it was also the largest venture capital opportunity in history because all those kids are now employees one through 20 at, you know, dozens of unicorns in the valley, some of whom have gone public since. And one day the head of HR calls me and she says, uh, for Facebook, she says, um, listen, don't panic because we're not changing, but we have a new audit committee and they're washing all the providers. So I'm gonna send you the RFP, fill it out and be here on such and such a date, which we did. And then about a month after they thanked all the respondents, the other respondents, um, I get a letter from FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Agency that polices all of the broker dealers. And that was a fishing expedition, expedition which started out uh, slow, but it ultimately ended up as a very abusive and hostile process of interrogatories on the record interviews document requests it lasted three years and it drained every penny that we had and our firm failed as a result and in the end my attorney calls me up he says come to my office he says i'm not going to beat around the bush you're going to give up your firm you're going to give up your license you're going to give up facebook and you're going to um find something else to do with your life. They want you to sign a settlement agreement by the end of the day, or they're gonna file formal allegations. And there's not gonna be any winning, there's only gonna be degrees of losing. And it's gonna cost, you know, upwards of a million and a half dollars, at least to defend. And at that time I was broke. So I signed the worst agreement I ever signed in my life. I went home and I stomped around my house very angry and very confused because the other thing he said is we can't prove it not that it matters anyway it happens all the time one of those six other respondents likely called in a favor somehow the respondents to the rfp so um at that time this was 2014 and the ethereum paper caught my eye mm -hmm. 
So I fell down the Ethereum rabbit hole. And when I hit bottom, the first thing I saw was accounting audit and financial reporting. Because during this process, we, we, you know, we produced and went through and audited an, an independent audit of all of our financial statements going back five years. Um, and then when that didn't work, we had a forensic audit done to count every single penny. So uh, going through this provided a signal. Plus, I sat next to the audit and financial reporting profession my whole life as a banker, right? But this really gave me some insights into the use case for this new thing, which at that time, the birth of the ICO hadn't even occurred yet. But uh, that was the first thing I saw. So it wasn't what I planned for my life, but I wouldn't change a thing. So um, I began writing a paper called Decentralized Continuous Audit and Reporting Protocol Ecosystem. And when I was done with it, I called my system and organizational control auditor who audited my stock plan platform. And I said, Scott, I either need a straitjacket or I, I'm onto something and I need to know right away. Can you read this and call me back and tell me the truth? And to make a long story short, he's, he became the first member of the non-for-profit DCARP Alliance Association that has about 60 members now. And we're probably a month to a month, a month and a half away from launching the first of a series of components that represent what we believe to be the world's first decentralized financial disclosure and assurance infrastructure. So oh. it's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, that's right? amazing. Um, yeah, and I, I, th this is the biggest reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast because, um, you know, continuous audits are a major thing, especially with, it's very timely with the FTX collapse. And uh, I think it's extremely important. And, you know, you and I have talked about how, you know, proof of reserves is kind of a, a BS metric. And um, so I, that's a big reason why I wanted to have you on the, on, on the, on the call today. So um, jumping into my next question. So I was wondering if you could provide a quick overview of audit, the audit chain protocol and explain how it differs from other blockchain-based platforms in the finance industry. Um, well, so first, there are no none that we know of blockchain platforms that are expert networks that provide proof of financial state for an operating entity, right? That's what we focus on. Um, where it starts is composability for the operating entity. Uh, it also starts with composability for a regulator who can create a taxonomy, a financial reporting taxonomy. They can amend an existing taxonomy. They can compose report models in different jurisdictions that they prescribe that issuers or reporting entities must use without changing. Uh, and then for an operating entity, they can compose their own financial statements, right? Or their financial model, really. Uh, because the goal here is to, to use the operating entity as a throughput for informa disclosure information, right? Uh, and move the accounting, audit, and financial reporting society from periodic disclosure frameworks to ultimately real-time 
uh, continuous accounting, continuous reporting, and continuous assurance. So that's our Luca suite. Uh, the Luca suite interacts with our Pacioli suite, which uh, is a logic and a reasoning engine that takes derivations, makes calculations. In other words, it reads and understands and outputs an analysis as to where your inconsistencies are, which is everything from syntactical to basic violations of fundamental accounting concepts, which we have so far proven almost 30% of all reporting entities in the world violate some sort of fundamental accounting concepts. I think the, right. the example you gave to me the other day was just balance sheets, not balance sheet, right? 83, <laughs> balance, 83 balance sheets filed with the SEC for the period ended September 30th this year did not balance. That is wild. That blows my mind. <laughs> so, yeah. But the Pacioli logic, uh, reasoning and logic, logic and reasoning engine allows you to do internal testing, right? Which the oversight is internal audit right, internal controls, but it also operates on a network so that you can, uh, a network can externally validate and prove the state of an operating entity, right? Right. And, you know, people are, they're caught up in this label proof of reserves, as you had mentioned. Um, proof of state takes into account the deduction of all liabilities from all assets, not just the custody environment, but everything under the roof of an operating entity. It also takes into account the effect that operating activities has on that end state and applies. We all know it, you know it, all accountants know the accounting equation, right? Total assets minus total liabilities equals equity that takes into account operating activities. It also takes into account cash used in financing activities and cash received by financing activities in your equity statement, right? So what you have at the end of the day is the proof of state, but it involves coverage of 100% of all transactions, not just a statistical sampling. And that involves cryptography, right? Merkle trees yeah. and Merkle groups. Yeah, I think that was the biggest concern you started to see with like people being able to prove proof of reserves is it's like, you know, we saw crypto.com accidentally sending funds to geek.io. I know that I used the quotes um, accidentally, you know, I think it was like $500 million worth of and then, you know, Oh, oops, we sent it to the wrong place. So, you know, yeah, yeah, it can show that you had that amount in your wallet at that point. But, you know, if it came from another exchange that's just fronting that to you so you can prove reserves, you know, it's it's BS. So um, I think, yeah, it's an important thing to, to focus on that, like this terminology proof of reserves really is only a snapshot and it doesn't really prove anything unless you have the associated liabilities and the full picture of what's going on under the hood all operating activities. Exactly, exactly, right? yeah. And yeah. lending activities, borrowing, mm -hmm. act, everything that your statement of changes in stockholders' equity requires you to account for is excluded from that, right? 
along with your cash flow statement. The other thing about this proof, I don't even want it, this label that everybody's attached to. If you read these reports, there's all sorts of exculpatory language put in there by the professional services firm. It is not an audit by any stretch. They're not making any attestations. They're not making any opinions and they're not giving any assurances. And it states in there, you should not rely on this report. Right. Right. So yeah. I needed to just yeah. get that. You know, it's important. It's an important distinction, I think. And a lot of people miss it. Um, so my next question kind of, I think you've, you've answered parts of it, but um, I wanted to get it a little bit more direct is um, how does auditing the audit chain protocol enable real-time financial reporting and auditing for businesses and organizations? So as I had mentioned before, it, it, it starts with the integration of your accounting system into the Luca suite, right? So you're, you're integrating your trial balances at the end of the period, whichever period that is. Um, there's a precondition that you have continuous accounting procedures uh, 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 in your internal controls, which right. means every time a transaction occurs, it's got to be journalized, right? So. There are a lot of ways to do that. Large corporations do that all the time, right? Large accelerated filers that have very, very complex internal controls, procedures, and technology that deals with this. But in crypto, you run your crypto accounting system in a serial manner with your traditional accounting system. Because your traditional accounting system, that's where all the logic exists. Your crypto accounting system uh, the most sophisticated takes, uh, it scrapes every chain, right? And it allows you to categorize and specify what it was used for. And then it integrates into your traditional accounting system. So your traditional accounting system um, and your crypto accounting system is equipped uh, from our perspective with a uh, uh, a provenance protocol is the simplest way I can put it, which contains a series of cryptographic Merkle trees that deals with volumes of transactions. It deals with the transition from crypto accounting to traditional accounting. It provides a proof of state from a system point of view that a transaction occurred at the edge that it was put into your crypto accounting system that it was put in and integrated into your traditional accounting system and that it was outputted uh, uh, from your trial balance into your disclosure our luca suite right which then rolls it all up into a gap compliant or ifrs compliant set of financial statements which is internally tested, right? Which then gets uh, passed in an encrypted fashion to our, uh, we call it an EDC, it's really a digital audit engagement agreement. 
and that involves the operating and in, in, uh, inviting a plurality of auditors who will audit that prior to you publishing it either either on your website or anywhere or you know you're one click away the object is to be one click away from filing with any of the 60 regulatory jurisdictions or 100 regulatory agencies that mandate the use of the XBRL business reporting language, right? So, um, which is machine readable, right? So you've got a cryptographic audit trail all the way from the edge to the um, publishing of your financial statements. Right. Yeah, I think that was the, that when I first heard, so, you know, obviously this is, I started focusing on this with the collapse of um, FTX because I saw the need for um, all this stuff happening. And, you know, I was reading about uh, uh, Vitalik's kind of proof of solvency and all of this. And I think that the, the thing that made the disconnect for me of like realizing where this would be able to kind of interact with the fiat world was was answered when, when we had our first conversation when you started to talk to me about the XPRL language and how you can get this data on chain as long as you are, you know, these companies are, are leveraging this required language they're already using. So for me, the that kind of made it come for a full circle to where you can integrate what's happening in, you know, TradFi with what's happening on chain so that you can be auditing all of this in real time. So that's very interesting. Um, it's not only the data, but it's right. the logic, right? What right. we do is we marry semantics with blockchain and cryptography, right? Mm -hmm. And for those who aren't quite technical and didn't quite understand the last five minutes, uh, to, uh, as a, to summarize, mm -hmm. we're, at, we're turning an operating entity into a blockchain, its auditors into its validators or miners, and it's all four financial statements into its block explorer, which will allow you to click all the way back through the cryptography to prove each hop in the journey for accounting audit and financial reporting information. Wow, I love right. the way you put it there. Yeah, that you, makes, yeah, yeah doesn't give you invoice numbers or the name of the customers or vendors because nobody wants to reveal that that's got you know there's competitive stuff uh, with respect but it allows you to prove financial state that way and to give you a real clear contrast the bitcoin blockchain verifies all balances all transactions and all accounts, wallets, all the way back to when the books first opened on January 3rd, 2009. Just to give you, you know, yeah. people who are yeah. watching a, a decent yeah. perspective. I think that's really important because a lot of the people that will be tuning into this may be kind of just starting to get, jump into the crypto world and, and recognizing that there is a big need for accountants and accounting professionals in this space. So I appreciate you doing that because sometimes people get lost in the in the in the fact that it's on chain and and they, they it, it mystifies things. And I think that that explanation helps to kind of demystify the, what's going yep. on. So um, just to dive a little bit deeper into that, how can how can this tech make the lives of 
accounting and tax professionals more efficient or more effective in their work? Well, let's look at it from a business strategy perspective first, right? One, uh, I'm sure you do work for clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's manual, I would imagine. Yep and some of its advisory, but you can install uh, five, 10, however many Pacioli nodes you want, right? And the machines do all the work, similar to the way mining and, uh, I'm not gonna use Ethereum anymore, it's kind of a bad thing. <laughs> it's proof of stake now, um, but mining and validation work, right? right. So you can compete for business on the network while you're doing your other manual work and advisory. So that supplements income, right? In addition, the manual work that you do, I bet you, you, every accountant has one. It's an Excel spreadsheet that they've had for years and it contains all these formulas that you pull out for your clients that you use for your clients. You may think they're proprietary, they might be proprietary, the way the formulas work, you may have originated them or borrowed them from somebody else, but you can create controls on the audit chain protocol that automate that work. Upload them to Luca and Luca outputs these files, the, the code base, right? It includes your wallet address, your name as the creator, the metadata that describes the control, you submit it for validation, which then includes the uh, 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 compliance with functional objectives of the control, uh, along with who played a role in validating that control, which uh, validators, their addresses. And then you go claim your NFT, it's added to the library. And when you, when they're used, on the network by others, you get paid a royalty. So there's two ways to supplement your existing income. Some accountants, and the goal is to move accountants from manual labor and hourly fees to collecting royalties through accounting, reporting, audit, and analysis automation, right? So, um, and the thing is, you know, Blockchain was made for accountants, yet it seems as though that the accounting profession has been slow to adopt it. Absolutely. So um, this is really a way. And the other thing is the more controls there are available in the library on the network, the more society moves from periodic uh, opening and closing books to an open ledger-based society with continuous audit, reporting, analysis, and and, and, and continuous accounting, right? So that effectively you are turning and operating entity into a blockchain, it's auditors into its external validators and its financial statements into its block explorer. That's great. So, I mean, you've alluded to it in our discussion already, but just to kind of wrap, wrap it up, what, in your opinion, how will the audit chain protocol impact traditional finance and and the DeFi industries? And what role do you see it playing in the future of these sectors? I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but what do you, what do you see 
the accounting profession looking like in five years or 10 years when this is more ubiquitous and if things so the account um look accountants go to school I, accountants go to school they study accounting they take cpa exams chartered accountant exams they do continuing education um what education does not do is suggest that you also take a computer science course um, the way we look at an operating entity is we approach it from a computer science perspective because it's a state machine right one input in our case triggers a minimum of four outputs p l balance cash equity right so um under a constant state of change right when you add a control you're expanding the number of possible states in a finite machine a state machine right so um it's hard to say what i think it will look like in five years but you guys have something that lay people civilians don't have and that is an intricate understanding of accounting logic right so now the goal of the protocol is to mechanize that logic right so that when you have an expert network that means you don't have to be an expert to use that network so the accountants all move from manual labor to advisory and creating accounting logic on the protocol so that every operating entity becomes a throughput for financial and accounting information and logic in a manner that the average person can read it, right? And understand it, because right now, if you go to sec.gov, most people don't understand what they're reading when they look at a 10K or a 10Q. That's the average person, right? They're written by accountants and lawyers for accountants, lawyers, and regulators, not for the average person. Yeah, I remember when I first started my career at uh, PwC, I was tasked with going on to the, uh, the Edgar site and reading through those statements and pulling information out of them. And, um, you know, as a, as a first year, it's, it's, all just a mess and jargon and you know and, and you, you learn but it's it's definitely not uh easy reading relaxing reading you know so and then um, the next year they put you on the audit team for a large accelerated <laughs> filer yeah <laughs> <laughs> me i had to cut and run after seven months i put public accounting at a big four wasn't 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 meant for me um yeah. but yeah there, there is a there is a brain drain right now. There's a oh, lot of sure. people, young people who are forward thinking that are moving from the big four to protocols in the Valley, especially, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, web three. So I'm, I think you can attest to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one last thing I wanted to ask you about was just, if you could discuss any partnerships or collaboration that auto chain protocol has established and how these partnerships are helping to drive adoption and growth of the platform. So um, we have, we're a technology shop, right? We're a construction company that's building a public road with tolls. And we have a non-for-profit association of members of the accounting, audit, financial reporting, blockchain, standard setter, academic, 
and legal communities, uh, soon to be regulatory, um, that uh, we've, uh, we haven't really published, but um, we have a new chair and CEO. Uh, he sits on the board of the uh, XBRL uh, Switzerland. He's also the founder of the CFA Society of Switzerland. Um, big with sustainability and he's taking it from here he does really well with um rallying uh standard setters and we have about 60 members that participate with us on various levels to various degrees from thought leadership to a development collaboration and they have customers some of them have customers um, and we're going to be publishing an updated uh, website, uh, uh, dcarp.org, D-C-A-R-P-E, I believe. Yeah, if they want to change the name, they can. That's just the name we came up with um, a, a long time ago. So, um, uh, but uh, there's, uh, for instance, there's a few members of uh, uh, MACPA. Is a member, 8,500 accountants, the State Society of Member, uh, Maryland. Um, we're working on various other state societies, which we'll announce soon. Um, but uh, we'll publish uh, an updated list on our, on our website. I frequently share in some of the groups um, a brochure that we offer to accountants, especially accounting firms, that gives an overview of the protocol and how the alliance is designed to promote adoption, adopt existing standards, and adopt new standards, and uh, promote open source development on the on the Orchain protocol. Great. Well, I love what you're doing, and I and I'm excited to see this you know project continue to develop and and hopefully get a validator running up on on my end too to to to. Earn some royalty revenue on that. You said it was on the um, Pacciola uh, node. Was that was that the what was the name of Pacioli? Pacioli, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, Luca Pacioli was the Renaissance era account. first person to document double entry accounting. Yeah. Right. Right. So our yeah. Luca suite talks. The Pacioli suite listens and agrees or disagrees. Okay. So to speak. Right. Cool. Yeah. But um, one of the things that everybody should know is that it's obviously a technical, there's technical friction in setting up a node. Right. So we're partnering with other infrastructure providers right now that will allow you to be four to five clicks away from operating a node. Right. Wow. It removes all the technical friction. Similar right. to what Infura and Alchemy do for base protocols, will these infrastructure providers do for our validating node? Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jason. And um, if uh, anyone wants more information, we'll link to uh, the Audit Chain Protocol in the description of this video and uh, in the description of the podcast as well. So just wanted to thank you once again, Jason, for your time and uh, look forward to. Uh, working with you in the future. Excellent. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, dude.